That's the sound. That's what we've been waiting for. You know what time it is, peeps. Welcome to another podcast. This is Chronicles of Plumber 19, bringing the bass. Here it goes. Oh, delicious kick drum, huh? Can't go wrong with that. What's been going on? How are ya? Doing back-to-back podcasts like Kenny Molotov promised. Let the music cut out. What's happening? How are ya? What you been up to? How was your weekend? Today, my friends, is Saturday, December 1st. Happy 1st of December. Um, The holiday season is on its way. It's coming hard and fast. It's almost here. I ended up buying my nephew a gift today. I bought him a toy train set, which is the Polar Express toy train set um, from Costco. If you're Costco shoppers out there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you aren't Costco shoppers out there, you got to get on the Costco train. What's going on? So let's pop into the internet. My name is Kenny Molotov. I'm a professional plumber, uh, a plumbing apprentice at his fifth year, going into do his advanced plumbing in George Brown as of... January. I'm a professional magician as well. I do some music. All the links down in the description below. You can check them out there, peeps. Find out what the heck's been going on with Kenny Molotov. I uh, upload this podcast to anchor.fm forward slash Kenny hyphen Molotov. If you want to find Anchor, if you want to find my podcast, you can find it on Anchor like that. And Anchor distributes it to 10 different podcasting platforms, which include Anchor, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Overcast, Radio Public, Stitcher. You can find me on all of those platforms there. Type in Kenny Molotov, and that's who you're going to see. You're going to see this, see this mug right then and there with this picture, most likely. I also got a song on iTunes called Note to Self. It's an electronic, electronic trap song if you're into electronic hip-hop sort of stuff. So you can check that out as well. Woo! That was a long intro. What's been happening? How are ya? Jump into the internet on the YouTube channels. I got two. I got many, actually. Not just two. But if we go on to Kenny Molotov, I'm sitting at 2,094 subscribers. Real close to 2,100. Really excited about that. Didn't upload a video as of yet. Like I said, it was Saturday. If you want to know the deal of what happened to me, you got to go back to the previous podcast, which is Chronicles of Plumber 18. Because in 18, I describe a whole lot of drama that occurred to me last week and how I dropped my uh, hard drive and how it went kaput and smashed to pieces internally, not externally. Nonetheless, check that out there. And that's why you'll know that I didn't upload a video as of yet because I've been trying to cope with the drama and make sure that I have everything that I need to get podcasts going and stuff like that. So, But if you haven't already, Day in the Life of a Plumber installing a kitchen drain, you could check that out as well. Lindsay Venn's uh, box, we do an unboxing from the Venn family. Shout out once again. That's what's happening. Let's jump out to Chronicles of a Plumber. We went up to 13, baby. We're sitting at 12 for a couple of weeks. Now we're at 13. Thank you for that 13th subscriber. You can see Chronicles of a Plumber 18 on that as well. That's an entirely different YouTube channel, by the way, just for my podcast podcasting and we're gonna talk about some plumbing that's what we do on this channel we talk about life we talk about my life during plumbing we talk about my life uh in general as well uh as of today for example i've 
strictly been doing YouTube stuff. Today's Saturday, and usually on my weekend, I tend to spend a lot of time editing videos, doing podcasts, editing podcasts, um, thinking about things to do in the future for the channels, these two channels, and then I dabble in music as well. So, you know, I'm all over the place, to be honest, and I'm really trying to get this small little album that I'm putting together. It's going to be like a four or five song sort of thing. Might even be three songs. I'm trying to get one out before the new year, but I'm really not sure if that's going to work. I'm going to see what's happening. Uh, But that's what I've been doing in my spare time, basically. I've been trying to get all this plumbing stuff done and all that, keep up to date with that. And then I'm doing music on top of that. Yesterday, I was looking at my magic channel because I've been doing magic for a really long time. I've been doing magic uh, since I was 15, and uh, I am now 31. So you can imagine I've spent a lot of time and money in magic. I used to blow cash in magic all the time. Man, I've got a magic collection real big. And uh, if I put that money, I probably could buy uh, buy a house. You know what I'm saying? It was one of those passions. Um, it's something I don't do as often as I wish I did. That sentence made sense, right? I, it's something as I wish I did. Nonetheless, uh, I used to be... I used to be like a regular magician at a restaurant. I used to work there for like eight, nine years. That was the regular gig that I did every weekend, every Sunday. I'd pop out for two hours and I'd do some magic for some good people. I'd do magic and balloon animals. So yeah, I had the whole shtick. I even had a pink hat I'd walk around with. Um, and I'd do a lot of card tricks, sponge balls, and all that good stuff. Uh, I miss it, man. I miss it. They're, they changed management after eight years of working with me. And the new management was like, eh, we don't need a magician. Which is usually what happens when they change man- management, to be honest. The magician is the first to go. If there's any sort of turmoil, any sort of cutbacks, the magician's out of the door. So I haven't gotten another gig since then. But I've been so caught up with YouTube and uh, plumbing that it sort of doesn't make a lot of sense for me to put more time into it. It was a good section of time in my life. I'm putting it aside for now, seeing if I could take on these under other endeavors and maybe make something out of myself with them. Who knows? Who knows? But I do have a magic YouTube channel. That sounded like it was a bit mystical. Anyways, I have a YouTube channel where I teach some magic. Just check out Molotov Magic. Um, I don't upload a lot to it, I gotta be honest. There's a part of me that feels like I'm selling out when I teach a trick online without people buying that trick. I'm struggling with it as uh, like constantly, to be honest. I follow a couple other magicians on, on YouTube and... Uh, they also have conversations about this as well. And uh, yeah, that's the truth, man. I grew up buying these DVDs thinking to myself, man, I feel so lucky to have this information. And I can only get it from a magic shop. And now I'm thinking to myself, man, these kids are just destroying this art form. It's gone. It's gone. Everybody can find out what the hell's going on and how it's done. And I don't know. I, you know... Here's a really big, I know I totally digressed from plumbing, guys. I'm just going to talk about this very briefly. Magic's a really interesting art form because the majority of magic is keeping the audience in the dark to a method that you are currently doing in front of their face to make the illusion of magic occur. And a lot of times when uh, 
spectators know what's behind the trick. They call you out on it, like, oh, I know that, which means that there's a really big divide. There's not a distinction in a lot of people's minds between the method and the art. So in other words, for a lot of people out there, those are melted together. They're the same thing. The method is the art. When in reality, the method is a very small section of the art, there's a ton of body language that's required to know how to maneuver your body in such a way to make the awkward moment, the moment of cheating, look completely honest. That's what a t- that's that's the majority of time magicians spend their uh, days creating tricks doing. They try to figure out what is the most natural way to do this to make sure nobody even knows um, what the heck's going on. And I'll give you a really clear example. I got back into magic when I was. Uh, in my teens, right? I, I used to do magic when I was really young. My parents used to buy me these magic kits and I used to love them. And I'd go around town and, well, not town. I'd go around to my family members doing these silly little tricks. Got out of magic for a while. Soccer took control of my life and I, I spent the next 10 years doing soccer. Halfway through there, I see a David Blaine special and like I go gaga over magic. I start getting back into it. And I'll tell you a story. Because a buddy of mine named Nima was doing magic at school as well. I didn't realize Nima was a magician. And then I heard rumors. I walked up to him and Nima was just showing me tricks. And like we fell in love and we started driving out to magic shops together. So anyways, one day Nima's doing a trick for a friend of mine named Ryan. And Nima does this really sneaky move. So he goes, Ryan, pick a card. Something happens. And Ryan goes, bro, that's where you got me. That's where you screwed me. That that right then and there. That's that's where you got me. And I sat back as a spectator going, you know, he's on to Nima. He's on to Nima. And the rest of my career was me trying to make sure that when I did that move, because in every trick there's that move or multiple moves, I, I spent time trying to figure out how the hell am I going to do that move without somebody turning into Ryan, which is, bro, that's where you got me. That, that is the art of magic. It's spending the time trying to figure out how you would naturally do a motion, how a non-magician would do a motion and try to make that trick look like a non-magician did this. So in other words, Nima was doing magic, but... It was obvious at that very second that he was being a magician, that he was doing something sneaky. The real question is, as a magician, how do you do that without letting anybody catch on to it? That, for me, is the actual art form of magic. Now, that's only one subsection of it. The other subsection is creating creating a moment, creating a framework where people are so involved in the moment and not thinking about the trick at the same time. Really good premises do this, for example. Like um, when you tell a story doing a magic trick, a lot of times if you do it well, it's the story. It's the story that brings them throughout the trick to where you get to the end and the spectator looks up at you and goes, man, that was awesome. And you can tell that they they couldn't give a damn about the method. It wasn't about being fooled. It was about that journey. That is also another form of the magic. Uh, another form of the... Guys, I'm doing a, a magic uh, 
I'm preaching right now about magic. I know. I'm sorry. I know this is a digression, but here's a little piece of my soul from me to you as a non-plumber, as a magician. That is also a piece of the puzzle when it comes to making magic an art form. A lot of people can do magic tricks, but when you see it done on that level, it makes you realize, man, it doesn't matter about the method. It matters about the entertainment. It matters about it matters about the I don't know how to say the humidity in the air when it was happening. The moment of clarity, you know, the the moment of like you can feel the tangible I don't know, like it's it's a a spirit I've heard it called before like you can feel that people are harnessing their full awareness of the moment on this story and that 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 is a piece of magic that you can only get from good storytelling and implementing a magic trick to it so you get that in a lot of art forms you get that in live music a lot of the times you know somebody's hitting those notes just so perfectly where the air just changes and that is where the true art of magic comes through, at least for me. That's what I really enjoyed about magic. Initially, yes, it's about methods. It's about learning how to do something sneaky in front of people. But really, if it stops there, if it's if it's just that, then in my opinion, it's it's still an amateur performance. Because I feel, at least my definition of art, is that you're trying to get somebody to feel many emotions you know it's not just wow shock whoa that defies physics what the hell's going on it's also like whoa that defies physics but man is that story true did that really happen oh you know what i mean Uh, anyways okay okay why was i talking about this peeps i'm sorry this just came out why was i talking about this what was i saying I was saying I have a magic channel and I felt like I was selling myself out and selling the community out every time I do a trick. And the answer to that was my my rebuttal, my interlocutor in my head is basically saying, well, look, it's not about the method. It's way more than that. So I think magic will stay alive still, but there's still a part of me that I'm fighting every time I upload a video for that. So you can check that out if you want to. Um, see me sell out my audience or see me sell out other magicians, which, you know, I don't think they feel like it's selling out anymore. Maybe not. At least the younger ones don't. You want to talk about plumbing? Let's get back into plumbing. All right. So peeps, I did. I was telling you guys I was going to do back to back podcasts because, uh, because of that whole drama with the hard drive that ended up falling. I did a podcast just a couple of days ago and i ended on this picture right here this is an i fly experience we have one here where i live really close by and i took my friend jonathan who you were just look at looking at uh to this uh for his birthday his birthday's coming up actually tomorrow tomorrow's his birthday so i took him early um you really got to check that out i'm not sponsored by them obviously but it was a riot so Let's talk about what happened as of Monday last week. We did a ton of calls this week that had to do with drains, and I'm going to tell you all about them. So here's something interesting that uh, I don't think I've ever spoken to you guys about. Every single time I walk into an older Greek lady's or, or older Greek person's house or an older Italian person's house, and when I say older, they're in their 70s to to 
late 70s, early 80s sort of thing. Every single time I walk into a house like this where they had the control of uh, furnishing it, etc., I always feel like I walked into my grandmother's place. Uh, my background is Greek. I'm also half Russian, but I grew up with my Greek grandparents, right? And I walk into this house, I knock on the door, and I know that I'm dealing with uh, an older Italian lady. My dad told me, it's an older Italian lady, she's really nice, go help her out, she's got a drain issue. I said, okay, cool. I knock on the door, this lady opens up the door, and I kid you not, it's like I'm staring at my grandma in the face. It was both a really happy moment and almost a really nostalgic moment at the same time because I wa- I looked at her and I went, holy crap, she looks like my grandma. Like there's something there, like there's something off, but there's something there. She's this short little Italian lady, really sweet, really calm, really gener- uh, generous. Yeah, I guess, uh, what do you say? She's um, a really get great host. Like the moment I came in, hey, you want a coffee? No, no, I'm okay. You sure? I'll make you a cappuccino. No, no, or espresso. I go, no, no, I'm okay. Honestly, I just had it. And I walk into the house and all Mediterranean houses like this are the same when it's this generation. It's like the furniture looks the same. The religious uh, icons or the religious pictures look the same. Uh, the Tupperware is the same. Not Tupperware, sorry. The china is the same. Everything. The vases look the same. The couches have that plastic over it. It's all the same. And I'm like, man, every time I do this, I feel like I live here. Like this is my grandma's house for sure. So poor lady had a a kitchen in the basement and it is the furthest pipe in the house it is the furthest drain it is the furthest water when you go above it's a bungalow so she's only got a basement and a uh, main level there's nothing above it that's water it's the furthest from everything else so i think it was an extension at some point that was done at some point that her husband had built or something like that so i go inside and i see this abs trap here right so i start laying out oh oh by the way i ran the water for a quick second and that water was coming up man no no hesitation it just filled up so i thinking to myself all right let's go get the uh k 50 here's the thing every time i'm dealing with a drain like this it has to be a k50 because a k39 even though i have it ready readily accessible it's lighter and it's it's the easier one to bring in the k39 on a couple of occasions has not done us well for kitchen drains it gets so much action this drain and so many things go into it that at some point um it's just gonna fold in on itself again if the k39 is too thin of a drain machine to work so k50 it was so i go out i grab the k50 i come back I put down this drop sheet, as you're saying. I remove the pipes, as you're seeing right here. Um, and then I just go to town on it with the K50. I threw in four or five cables. And this drain was greasy, boy. I had to take the cables to a building that I was working at later on and just wash that bad boy off with one of their um, with one of their water guns or whatever you call it. It... <laughs> with one of their hose beeps that had a hose connected to it with uh you know the trigger gun or whatever i had to clean it down real nice because it was super greasy over years and years and years of cooking and you know the thing is is that even if you're really good 
at collecting as much grease as possible and throwing it away either my plumbing teacher used to say his uh, mother used to take grease she would uh, dig a hole and she'd bury grease into the ground or something like that some people are really good they do that our compost boxes allow for throwing grease into them um, if you get the disposable bags you're supposed to let the grease harden and throw it into the bag or whatnot even if you're good at that at some point down the line, the grease is going to get into the drain, and at some point down the line, that grease is going to harden and make that drain a little bit more, it'll, it'll basically create a, a smaller diameter than the pipe already has. So that's just something to keep in mind. A lot of times, people feel really bad about having a call in a plumber, and I have to continuously remind them, look, this happens to plumbers' drains all the time. It's okay. I mean... If it's happening every year, okay, you got a problem. You gotta you gotta change some habits. But if it happens once every twenty three years, which is apparently everybody's story, um, you know, then you're in good shape. Especially if that's a, a true statistic and not just an anecdotal lie or whatever. So I'm gonna just show you the drain because we got this bad boy to run. I was filling up. Did I fill up both sides? Yeah. <laughs> so this is the pressurized test um, where you fill up both drains. You turn them up, you take out the plugs, you let the water drain, you see how fast it drains, and you also check to see that it's watertight down below because a lot of times this will tell you if some joint is not doing well. Um, that's why you do this, and you do this a couple of times for this exact same reason. So this is me just testing out the drain. You see it funnel down there, which is a clear, good indication that water's traveling well and it's getting enough air for it to travel well. And then if you look over to the right, it's also going and it's also starting to funnel as well. Here's the thing you got to know. A lot of times when you pull these things at the same time, they won't funnel right away. I, from what I understand is there's so much volume of water coming into the pipe at that moment that it blocks off the vent for a second. So it's not until the water starts moving through that the vent has access to air and then the whole drainage system has access to the air that it starts funneling and going down. But if you hear a really big sucking sound, like a... That's a horrible sound effect. I'm sorry I did that for you. But if you do hear that, that's a good indication. It means that your pipe's getting enough air for it to drain and that you're in really good shape. So a lot of people get freaked out by that. And I keep having to tell them, no, no, we're aiming for that. That means that your pipe is working real good, real good. So I'm not going to subject you to any more sound effects with that. <laughs> My apologies there. So that was day one, meeting the Greek lady or meeting the Italian lady that looked like my Greek grandmother. And when she was talking to me, what was really interesting is there is a saying between Greek people and Italian people where they go, una fazza, una razza, which basically means that they're one and the same, Greek people and Italian people. If you go into their houses, like it's essentially what I told you. If you go into their houses, they look like the same people. If you stand them side by side, they're all really short Mediterraneans. They all have the same sort of like pigmented skin, olive sort of skin, you know what I mean? Like, and their mannerisms are really similar, except Italians are a little bit more expressive, I think. Um, and they do a couple of different things with their hand motions and whatnot. But then if you look at Greek people, typically Greek people are their trouble as well with the expression. So it's really, really interesting. I love dealing with that generation of, um, 
Greeks or Italians because there's something so welcoming when I see them, when I meet this person. I, I, I look at them and I go, man, I feel like I've known you my whole life. You know what I'm saying? Anyways, the following day, we had to put in a bad boy extension tank. Now, if you haven't seen the last podcast, I spoke about expansion tanks because of this picture right over her. So if you take a look right here, these are backflow preventers. And then at the end of these backflow preventers are these tanks right here. You have one, you have two, and we have a third one inside this cubicle over here. But that's what an expansion tank is. And that's what we were called in to install for this job I'm about to show you. Now, why did we have to come in and install this, you ask? Excellent question, my subscriber. Well, the reason is, is because if you don't put an extent expansion tank into a system that has a backflow preventer, then you're going to run into an issue where more pressure than is normal comes into the system because pressure fluctuates in a system. And where it's going to compensate is with the pressure relief valve on the hot water tank. And as you probably already know, every hot water tank requires a pressure relief valve, which basically means that you need to have a special valve installed on the hot water tank so that if pressure builds up inside this tank or inside the system that it pushes this valve open and it starts discharging water and equally so discharging pressure at the same time, releasing it, basically fluctuating, bringing the system back to homeostasis. So as soon as that pressure is relieved, that valve will close, but you'll have water all over your floor. So this company called us and they said, look, our hot water tank is discharging for no bloody reason. It just all of a sudden goes. And every single time I walk in there in the morning, there's water on the floor. What the heck's going on? So we go in, we see the backflow preventer and we see no pressure or expansion tank. Now, here's the interesting thing. I vlogged this, by the way. So I'm going to eventually give you a really good uh, picture description of what an expansion tank is. But essentially, an expansion tank is designed to compensate for this amount of pressure. And what an expansion tank has is essentially this balloon type of material on the inside where pressure has the ability to open up inside this tank. And when the pressure in the system drops, every opportunity that it can get, this uh, tank will start closing up and send the pressure back into the system so it can leave uh, comfortably for the system. So in other words... It makes sure that the system is safe to have extra pressure. So now here's what you got to know. Sometimes from the city, the pressure goes up. It goes down, goes up, and goes down. Sometimes because of the hot water tank, the pressure goes up and goes down. But the only problem is, is that when you put a backflow preventer into the system, it stops the pressure from going back into the city because that's typically what happens. So there is something involved with the city pipe where it'll bring the pressure in, but any extra pressure can actually be accounted for by the city. 
the backflow preventer stops water from going back and stops pressure from going back to the city, which means, in other words, that you have a closed system where if you build pressure into the system, it's going to stay there. And it's either going to get discharged from your pressure relief valve from the hot water tank, or if you put in one of these uh, expansion tanks, these are the guys that are going to take care of it. Okay. That was a lengthy answer for you. Let me show you what the heck's going on, okay? So this is the hot water tank that's discharging. On the left here, if you take a look at this little copper pipe over there, that's the pressure release pipe, and it's connected to the pressure release valve, okay? These are the materials I'm going to be using, but I used many more 90s than this, as you're going to see through the movement around that I had to shoot this... Um, I had to shoot this pressure relief, not pressure relief. I had to shoot this expansion tank towards the wall. So I think I used one, two, three, four. I used four 90s rather than two. I also used a T and we're only doing three quarter fittings right now. And this is an FIP with a pipe. We have some paste over here. We have a pipe cutter. We have ourselves uh, a tape measure, uh, tooth pliers, and some solder, lead-free, if you know what I'm saying. So this is the expansion tank that we're talking about. The first thing you have to do is mount this bad boy to the wall, because if you don't, you're going to be putting too much weight onto any sort of pipe that's there. Uh, make sure you mount it real nice. And then as you saw, I taped this bad boy up. That pink thing right there is pink Teflon tape. We call it T-tape. T-tape that bad boy up. And then I had to cut in this T. This is the connection, essentially. I had to cut in this T, throw up a 90, up to another 90, shoot it across to a third 90, and then a short little piece with another 90, and then a tiny little nipple to the FIP. Make sure you have threaded that, sorry, not MIP, FIP. Thread that FIP tight onto that expansion tank before mounting it. Oh, no, no. Before soldering it, I should have said, and that is the finished result. One last picture from the other side, and this is the way this bad boy looks. Uh, not an intricate job. Went pretty darn fast. We were probably in there for, oh, I don't know, half an hour, 45 minutes getting this thing done. Uh, we spent more time trying to find people to help us uh, open the door into this room, essentially. But it was overall really fun. We had a good time. And as you see, I shined some pipes in there like them Instagram plumbers do, if you know what I'm saying. But um, I still don't solder as good so as some of these guys, man. Somehow these guys are soldering without it looking like there's any solder in the system. And they also shine it with all sorts of different stuff. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm still trying, still trying to get better. Let's move on to another day. What's happening here? Okay, so I got called in to do a vanity. Here's the hardest version of vanities always. You walk in, you open up their new vanity, and their new vanity is a one-piece vanity where the vanity sink and the vanity cabinet are one entire piece and it's super heavy and that is what they got but actually i gotta be honest it wasn't the heaviest vanity i ever had to deal with i had one with dad where honestly we if we had the green bay packers with us we still would have had the hard time bringing this damn thing in it was so bloody heavy and so bloody big gorgeous unit i gotta say gorgeous from the get-go i looked at it and i went god 
I got to get me one of these. And then I installed it and I was like, guy, I ain't ever going to get me one of these. Forget about it. So um, this one wasn't too bad. Let me show you what we had to work with. Here's the old vanity that they currently had. I had removed the vanity sink from it. Here's the cabinet that's waiting down below. As you can see at this wall right here, we have a peak trap coming out. We have two potable water pipes, hot and cold. And um, you'll also notice that the the trap is on the right-hand side of these things. So that's just something to keep in mind for later, okay? I had to rip open this back wall. And I got to be honest, I clipped a pipe doing this. Luckily, we got to the shutoff real quick. And that's also why you got to watch out with them sawzaws. They'll go through anything. And I was thinking to myself as I was using the knife that, man, this isn't drywall. That was the big problem I ran into. This was... a uh, plywood and with a drywall knife plywood's not it's not that easy of a material to go through with with a um with a drywall knife right so i was like okay let me get the saws up but be careful not to get deep clip boom sprang me in the eye we ran down right away and of course and of course their hot their water meter is behind the laundry machines of course it is like and there's no way to get to the water meter unless you jump behind the washing machines of course that's what you do like what would be like that's the most logical way to make a plumber cuss you know what i'm saying you put it right behind the water the the laundry machines that's the way to do it i mean if i'm gonna do it that's the way i'm gonna do it too so i don't know what's what's up with people and putting laundry machines right in front of their hot water or in front of their meter kills me though man so I literally was panicking and I had to throw my my torso over these laundry machines so my legs are dangling in the air and I'm trying to crank this old ass valve for like 20 minutes but luckily we shut it off and the water drained quickly. It was a house. We were good. Um, the owners didn't lose faith in me. <laughs> Thank God. If this happened years ago, I would have been destroyed because I didn't have the confidence I have now of going into a job understanding what needs to be done and also reacting to things at the appropriate speeds let's keep talking about this though okay so i ripped out the cabinet i sweep this floor up after i took this picture obviously and now i gotta open up this wall and this is what we saw and you see this little little pretty shiny spot right there on this copper pipe well that's where i clipped that bad boy I clipped him real nice he was maybe like a millimeter long but he was spraying and you know we had to move uh, according to to its spray but uh, i clipped it there uh and this is what i was working with essentially so you have hot going to the left cold on the right hate that sorry peeps this stupid thing malfunctions from time to time and then what you're seeing right here with the abs is actually a trap adapter going into a 90 which is shooting out now here's the thing if you have if you have an abs connection behind a wall you're not supposed to be using a trap adapter you're supposed to be using something called a bow adapter which is designed uh, to uh, transition between ABS and copper. So that's something I had to change when I kept going. But here's the new setup that I did, okay? So I put two new pipes, and I supported them real nice. You'll see two nice copper clips right here. 
and then I had to shoot them over to the left. I had to redo this roughen essentially in order to get this new vanity in. And I put two R14s. Now here's the thing. Most of the time you put two R19s. 19s are valves where the threaded piece is facing upwards rather than facing towards uh, the individual looking at them. They're facing up. You normally do that because you have the two supply lines coming up as well. But here's the truth. Didn't have two R19s, only had these two R14s, and those supply lines were long enough where you could c connect them real easy, so that's what I opted to do. Use the material that I had rather than drive out and uh, waste about an hour trying to get material when I have two perfectly functioning valves right here. So here's what it ends up looking like when you connect the two supply lines to it, just like so. You have one on the left, you have one on the right, and as you can see, you have the new vanity inside here already ready to go and then I already put a PO plug on this guy a fixture outlet pipe I should say and this is what the bad boy looks like at the end real nice real pretty unit we had to throw a backsplash back there but one thing that we ran into well a couple of things um this PO plug had a stopper that uh, was a lever stopper right so you pull on the lever and it pulls the plug down so that you can fill up the sink if you wanted to. When I put the backsplash there, it was still working, but you got to be careful not to totally blast the backsplash. You know what I'm saying? And the other problem is, is if you look on the right over here of the backsplash, there's a little gap there. The reason why there's a gap there is because if you look at the tiling, there's this one middle tile right here, which has a super big offset. So it really threw this backsplash off the angle. So I did the best that I could and the owner totally understood. And then I put a bead of silicone behind it and I also siliconed the base and I siliconed it on the side. Still came out pretty nice. I really did like this vanity. It was an enjoyable installation. So, gotta show you something fancy. Real fancy, peeps. Look at this pretty little thing right here. This is a new DeWalt bag. DeWalt. My dad puts a nice strong V onto it, which I really am fond of. It's a new DeWalt box, essentially, that you can buy at any Home Depot um, that fits. Go go figure this. It fits my K50. It fits a drop sheet. It fits a bucket. And underneath that bucket is one of my... Uh, my big flashlights. I only have one. I don't know why I said one of my. And my big flashlight, I also have a extension cord right here. And all you got to do is close that lid. And this arm that you see on the front extends. You can pull it out and then you can roll it wherever you want. So I had bought this initially thinking to myself, I'm eventually going to get a K50. And it fit perfectly. So I was really happy about that. The only downside is that you gotta grab the spool of coils with your other hand, which is totally cool, I get it. You know, it's not perfect, but it's so good that it makes me real happy anyways. So I had to do a K50 call. This was another kitchen drain. This is the kitchen drain. Looks like it's in rough shape, right? Yep, it's a bit aged. So this thing was a brick wall, peeps. I was trying to get through this thing with the K50 for a couple of minutes, but something was obstructing it. It ended up working out for me. I ended up banging through that thing, and then I sent in, this is the new K50, by the way. That's the light I was telling you about, and you always need a bucket. If there's anything I've learned in plumbing, if you're going to do some service underneath the sink, you always need a bucket. So that's why you got to have plenty of buckets in the truck, and 
plenty of sizes too. Sometimes you need big ones because you're going to be draining a whole house or sometimes you need small ones because you got a tiny little sink with a really low trap. So I released the water inside the trap and I hooked up this K50 and I went crazy. And this is what I ended up doing at the end. I didn't have a bunch of stoppers this week. A bunch of people's sinks that I came to didn't have those stoppers, didn't have those plugs in the middle of their sink. So I had to improvise. I had my bucket. I said, screw it. Let's use it as a stopper at the same time. And uh, went really well, really smooth. And let me show you what we finished the week off with because this was more drain work. We had plenty of drain work. We went a good stretch of time without having a lot of drain work with doing the coffee shop and all that jazz. We barely did any drains. And this week I did like three or four drain calls. Bring some money in. I ain't complaining, peeps. I ain't complaining. So here's what you're looking at. This is the K1500. This is the largest drain machine that we have. And this bad boy is designed for three inch and up. You can put them in a two inch. And we actually did that this week. We put them. We did that in this job. You can fit them in a two inch. But you got to be careful and you got to make sure a lot of times you won't be able to put a head on it um, if you're doing that. You're just going to throw the coil because the coil, I think, is like an inch and a half to or an inch or something like that. So we did a three inch drain. We did a two inch drain and we did an inch and a half drain with the K50 in this one. But I just want to show you what exactly is going on. So they were having an issue with soap studs. You ever heard about this? Soap studs essentially start moving back up the pipe and going into people's units. This is a, a big problem with laundry machines in units. So I know that the code has actually changed here in Ontario something within the last four or five years because every single time I went to school. My teacher was telling me about it. And essentially, the the rule is something along the lines of if you're planning to, to tie in a laundry machine on a second floor in a house or, or on the main floor of the house, you have to tie it in like really far down. I remember something vaguely about 10 times the size of the pipe or something like that something crazy in feet i don't know but you have to tie it in really far because soap studs have a tendency to show up on people's floors so what was interesting about this was it was showing up on the fourth floor and bypassing one two and three and if that's confusing to you that's probably because you don't know the idea of an auxiliary stack they have regular stacks sometimes they have express stacks and they have auxiliary stacks in buildings an auxiliary stack is intended to take up the first three or four floors usually it really comes down to how the engineer designed it um, three or four floors of the building so it will literally only um, service those four floors and the reason why they do that is because you have 15 floors of a building and all 15 floors are discharging into this one stack for example there is a pressure zone on that pipe which is the bottom 90 where it changes from vertical to horizontal and that pressure zone has so much pressure going down on it that it has a tendency especially if uh, you have a discharge from a really high floor you have a tendency of siphoning traps on the first couple of floors there's so much pressure going down there so what you end up doing as they figured out you know what if we tie in the first four floors to their own stack 
we're not going to have this issue because you only have the fourth floor that's the highest floor discharging into it. So anyways, that's why you only saw it on the fourth floor rather than it seeing it on one, two, and three. So that was something interesting. So we had to come in and we had to snake this drain to essentially clear out the laundry stack that they had. And then we had to go upstairs and we had to start putting in some cleanouts in order to get into the stack from the two inch because it was only three inch from, I'd say, uh, the main level down. And then on the second level, it was two inch and up. And the reason why they do that is because of the amount of fixture units going up on each floor. They, they'll keep it at two inch if the fixture units are of a specific number. And once all those tie in, if that number is really big, then they're going to have to upsize to three inch. And if you look up any code book, it'll tell you how many fixture units a three inch pipe can take, how many fixture units a, a two inch pipe can take. So on the second floor, it was two inch and we had to put in a clean out for us to be able to get our snake in and snake it from the second floor down because we went from the main level down, uh, which was three inch. And then we had to do that one section that was two inch. I don't know if I just repeated myself five times, but that was the story. Okay. This is my dad putting in a two inch Y with a end clean out on that Y. And we also put one on the right hand side for the inch and a half. The inch and a half you're looking at here is the auxiliary stack. So we were able to get into this unit and it was like pure luck. This unit was renovating. This was its laundry room. And behind this laundry room are all the stacks and their wall was wide open. So we like high five that tenant and we're like, we love you. We're going to get in and do some work here. And the guy, the guy's super cool, super chill. He's like, yeah, do whatever you got to do. And these were the two cleanouts that we had to do. And as you see in the bottom right-hand corner, I'm running the K50 into this inch and a half pipe, getting that cleaned out real nice, making sure the auxiliary stack also won't have issues in the future since we're dealing with the same line here. Every single unit, 101. 102, 103, 104, 105 has three lines to it. It has a kitchen line, it has a a bathroom line, and it also has a laundry line. So this line was dealing with this issue. Lots of things to snake if we ever have to do a whole building uh, maintenance thing, but that's something to keep in mind. And these are the two bad boys up close and personal. Real pretty, real pretty. Dad does good work. Alrighty, peeps. Well, that was a whole week of plumbing. Hope you guys are well. Thank you for listening to my magic rant right there. And thank you for tuning in and finding out what the heck's been going on in the life and times of Kenny Molotov. My name is Kenny Molotov. This is Chronicles of a Plumber. I'm a plumbing YouTuber, professional magician, and a musician. Links are down in the description below. I love you guys, and I'll see you guys very soon. Kenny Molotov, guys. Peace, baby.